there, this is Brianna, editor of the Victabulous podcast. Episode 22 was previously recorded in February before Victoria and Victor introduced the world to their second child. Now that we are all settled, the Victabulous podcast will resume recording and we will be out next Friday, and we hope to see you for the next coming episodes. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Happy Hour with Victabulous. I'm Victor, filling in once more for the role of Victoria. Uh, today marks a huge landmark in our life as we brought home our son, Valentino. And at this point, I'm recording into the future, so good luck to us. <laughs> Definitely going to need it. Um, I mean, we do have a three-year-old already, but it's like having a learn how to take care of a child all over again which i mean at least we're closer to then than we were before if that makes sense probably not but that's okay because this movie is full of redundancies and idiosyncrasies considering that we are going to cover 2016 mike judd's film of idiocracy so i have a a natural affinity to watch movies that are dystopic futures you know like v for vendetta or like mad max or you know children of men they all take place with some kind of overbearing government and you know a, a greater global issue and this one hits really close to home because more or less this is definitely the future that we are all headed towards not no shining glorious future but rather just a general dumbing down of society until it is far too late for all of us to turn back from that point I mean, I remember the first time I saw it and I was just rolling because it was like, yeah, right. You know, with with how, you know, how far fetched this future could be. But then things started lining up, you know, how overwhelmingly popular reality TV shows have become. And it's it's just a grim future that we're all looking at right now. <laughs> That's this is quickly becoming a reality. Uh, again, uh, this movie was written and directed by Mike Judd of uh, Mike Judd, Mike Judge. I always say that wrong, but uh, you probably know him best from his uh, famous cartoons of Beavis and Butthead or uh, King of the Hill, and maybe the movie that he did before this, you know, Office Space. So you kind of get a good feeling of like this guy's like slice of life slash you know, absurdist humor, which, you know, on paper sounds great. But again, uh, this film Idiocracy is more or less a troubling look at our future, which I personally think we are headed in that direction uh, without any, you know, <laughs> uh, without the driver throwing on the brakes or nothing. He's just laughing as we're plummeting towards this madness. Uh, the movie itself stars Luke Wilson, Maya Rudolph, Dak Shepard, and it also features um, Terry Crews and Stephen Root, and even there's an appearance of Justin Long. But, uh, you know, you keep hearing me saying that, like, I'm terrified of this movie and how it's it's going to be our future if, you know, if we don't stop a second to start thinking. So what does that mean exactly? Well, hmm. <laughs> Without diverging too much into you know what's what takes place in this movie, it's uh, 
more or less like a grim look at the future as it seems like the uh, less intelligence of our society uh, begin to reproduce in larger numbers than the more intelligent in our society, leading to a future of just, as you know, the movie says, idiocracy. So uh, it's it's like society fully embraced like the tall poppy syndrome, which is it's either an Australian or like a New Zealand kind of a uh, what's what's the word like a not an idiom, but like a, an idealism, I guess, to where you don't want to stand out above the crowd or else you're likely to be, you know, picked on or taken out of the picture. Right. Uh, so, like I said, the tall poppy syndrome. And that being said, it seems like uh, in this future, um, we've strayed away from like advancing technology in uh, like a positive sense and start focusing more on like on sex and drugs and, you know, just more of like a, a self-centered hedonistic way as opposed to like an advancement of, you know, arts and sciences, which uh, <laughs> I'll go into more detail here. Um, I do need to mention, <laughs> this is my third attempt trying to record this as the first time I got all the way through before I realized that my Bouncecast program, which I've been using to record these episodes, uh, was not in fact recording. So I went through this entire episode, was so proud of myself, and I clicked, you know, uh, like the submit button, but it just kind of looked at me blank face like, you, you dummy, you've just been like, checking your voice quality this whole time <laughs> so you know defeated i you know put, held my head down or hanged my head walked away came back the next night recorded again got about halfway through and i went to click pause to you know look up on my notes just make sure i had everything right and instead of clicking continue to record i clicked like the reset button so everything i did record was once more deleted so that put me in a bad mood, and this is once more my third attempt trying to record it, and hopefully this is the last time that I need to do so. So without wasting any more time, because like I said, this is my third time doing it, and at this point I may be a little mad at myself and just a little bitter about trying to just get this cursed movie over with, let's get right into it. Brianna, cue the music. So a quick summary of this movie, it's uh, it's an average American uh, who's selected for a top secret hibernation program, um, except he gets forgotten and wakes up 500 years into the future to discover that society has been so incredibly dumbed down that he is easily the most intelligent person alive. So it's the whole like, like I said, the, the world, not so much... Uh, flatten the curve as much as just like let society tank so far to where um, an average person from our society is considered like an Einstein level genius <laughs> I do need to mention I am kind of cheating and I am using uh, someone else's uh, synopsis here which I, I take reference from just to make sure I'm on track and I'm not like forgetting any major details but the person who did this uh clearly might have been writing their like dissertation or something for their doctorates because they use a lot of really big words here which i think that might be the joke of it 
considering this movie's about a dumbing down of people. And <laughs> so there might be some uh, moments where I pause and just like trail off. So Brianna, forgive me in advance for the numerous pauses and errs and us, which hopefully you're not too used to by now because I'm trying my hardest to get better about it. But I digress. Let's get back into it and start from here. Uh, the movie begins with the narrator, who's played by Earl Mann, explains that natural selection is indifferent to intelligence, so that in a society in which intelligence is consistent... Uh, consist okay, backtrack here. Um, I have nothing to drink, as, <laughs> again, this is recorded after I got off at work. This is a lack of sleep coming into play, which I promise you, I... Uh, I just don't know what I'm saying anymore, and I'm just trying to fill in the blanks here while trying to keep you entertained. So hopefully I can get you to laugh and uh, appreciate my honesty here. But forgive me, uh, as I was saying, um, in a society in which uh, intelligence is consistently debased, stupid, irresponsible people easily outbreed the intelligent, creating over the course of five centuries an irredeemably, uh, irredeemably dim and sexually motivated dystopia. So like I said earlier, basically, um, stupid, irresponsible people easily outbreed intelligence, which, I mean, I think we all knew kids in high school, you know, who were getting pregnant and dropping out and just like, you know, those, those people who are so not really looking at their futures and instead just kind of living day the day not that it's a bad thing but just with like reckless abandonment and you know not really able to have like something stable and i mean don't get me wrong i i also know people who've had kids early in life and yet like now they're doing you know honestly i think better than me but you know no no judgments here <laughs> uh man i'm getting too philosophical for this um so with this uh idiotic depraved society um he said just just taking over uh it kind of snatched the direction of history and again with the general dumbing down that's kind of where the future started going towards so again uh, demographic superiority favors those least likely to advance in society Consequently, the children of the educated elites are drowned in a sea of promiscuous, illiterate, proletarian peers. So this is all highlighted by an example of two couples. There's, uh, there's like a husband, well, I don't think it's established if they're husband and wife, but there's just, you know, an established couple, a man and a female, and they're talking about how it, it'd be totally irresponsible for them to have kids right now since, you know, the society's not in a good place you know the the market's like you know in a rough spot and basically they're just saying like we will have kids but we're going to do it when it's it's the best time to do so cut to another individual i think named like Cleavon, who's like just being told that he's uh his wife or again his girlfriend you know is just like ah shit i'm pregnant and you know Cleavon's like oh man again i thought you were on the pill or some shit and she's like no i never said that and he's like ah fuck it might have been Brittany. Which, you know, his, his wife's like, Brittany, and, you know, back to the other couple to where they're a little bit older now. And it's like, yeah, you know, time's still not right, you know, blah, blah, blah. Cut back to Cleavon, who's, you know, getting chased around by 
or his uh his two baby mamas are fighting now and then turns out there's a third party member there like named Mackenzie who comes after him with a baseball bat you know finding out she's pregnant blah blah blah, blah. so it just kind of goes back and forth like that until it shows you know Cleavon's son who's like the high school football star and he's you know just won a big game and he's he's telling the cheerleaders that he's gonna you know have sex with all of them and cut back to like the husband and wife and they're having trouble you know having kids now and then cut back to Cleavon who's like somehow survived a like jet ski accident where his groin was impaled <laughs> on like a fence you know um saying that science is able to save this you know individual where it cuts back to the husband and wife husband's out of the picture now as he's passed away from like a heart attack trying to masturbate to produce sperm <laughs> um the wife's like you know now i just gotta wait for the right guy to come along and you know fingers crossed blah 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 um so yeah that's that's just kind of showing like the setup for the future to come and then cut to it says in 2005 which the movie came out in 2006 so this is like a you know past present kind of thing or past the future um but cut to corporal joe bowers played by luke wilson who is an army librarian grafted as the army's most average soldier and rita who is played by maya rudolph a prostitute terrified of her pimp played by uh scarface whose uh, pimp's pimp's name is upgrade pronounced uh well upgrade but it's spelled u-p- G-R-A-Y-E-D-D with, with an emphasis on the two Ds for his double dose of his pimping. <laughs> oh, God, it's, it's, it's a great scene because here um, Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Collins, played by Michael McCaffrey, is like explaining the hibernation program, except he kind of gets segued away when he's talking about how he they were easily able to get... Um, joe to be part of the program because he's a soldier and you know if he wants to get his pension he's got to do this stuff but when it came to rita he had to like get in close with upgrade in order to rent uh rita for this experiment except like as he's going through his slideshow he's he's kind of showing that him and upgrade got a little too close and it shows like um you know like uh, Collins here like partying with Upgrade and eventually showing him wearing like Upgrade's fur coat, wearing his hat. He's got like gold teeth and stuff and you know it's just funny like that. But um, eventually uh, <laughs> subsequently um, Lieutenant Collins here is arrested for starting his own prostitution ring under the tutelage of Upgrade and the military base is demolished and a Fuddruckers is built over the, uh, the old experimental site. So to emphasize the passing of time slash like the dumbing down of society, um, the Fuddruckers like restaurant sign is shown like evolving more or less. So it goes from uh, Fuddruckers to like food ruckers to foot buckers to butt ruckers to eventually butt fuckers in uh, the year of 2505 when uh, the great garbage avalanche happens. So Joe's uh, hibernation, we're going to just say coffin here, uh, smashes into the apartment of Frito Pendejo, which is Dak Shepard's character. It's, you know, the stupid play on words like the Frito Bandito from uh, God knows what. But I mean, if you know Fritos, you've heard that name before, right? Or your, your uncles or someone's called you that. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I don't know. 
but instead of bandido, it's pentejo, which you know, it's Spanish for dickhead, or at least that's what I've always understood it as. Uh, but I digress here. Frito is the typical idiot citizen of the American future, whose dwelling is full of junk food with a prominent giant television screen that's covered in advertisements. And uh, I mean, it's you know about the size of his wall, so it's a good like. 10 foot by 10 foot TV, which, you know, it looks like there's a bunch of pop-up ads flashing around. It's all like penis enlargement and like make money, click here, you know, just all that fun stuff. But uh, he's in the middle of watching like the most popular TV show in America, which is, ow, my balls, which it lives up to its name because it's, it's just that some poor individual, you know, guy keeps getting his... Uh, his junk attacked in various different ways, which, you know, for lowbrow humor, it's, it's funny. But uh, Joe's disoriented and he's like, he doesn't really know to, you know, what kind of society he's in now. And he's like, hey, you know, what's going on to where, you know, Frito here keeps telling him just to shut up and eventually just throws him out of his house. And uh, that's when Joe's like walking around. And he's trying to understand what's happening. Like in his mind, it's only been a year still. And he sees just, you know, he's walking around and that's where he sees like the butt fuckers restaurant. And there's like, he's looking at the window and there's like kids having a birthday party and he's looking up at the sign, which says butt fuckers. So he's just like, what the hell's going on? Um, he like stumbles into a movie theater where there's like one movie being played and it's just called ass. And that's all it is for 90 minutes. And apparently like in that universe, it won eight Academy Awards, including best screenplay. <laughs> um but he eventually like uh he stumbles into like a group of people and that's where he learns that like uh our language has devolved into like uh a, a blend of valley girl inner city slang um street talk you know just stuff that uh kind of we're using now so more or less like degradation to just simply meme talk <laughs> Uh, but I digress. He eventually makes his way to a hospital and, you know, he asks an orderly who's on, or uh, rather a nurse or an orderly, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, since it is this weird future, it might just be an orderly. Uh, Joe asks for water, like something to drink, because he's just disoriented. And the nurse just kind of looks at him and is like, water? Like, from the toilet? Like, Yo, you man, you're weird. He just kind of laughs and just walks away. And Joe eventually like sees a doctor where it's, it's played by uh, Justin Long. And, you know, he comes in, he's just like, how's it hanging essay? And then Joe's, you know, trying to speak like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. I got a headache. I was supposed to be in some experiment. If you look up, you know, this, I was here. And, you know, the doctor here, uh, again, Justin Long is like, well, here's your diagnostics, but it's like, seems like you're tarted and like your shit's fucked up and like your shit's fucked up so it's going to be like this many dollars for coming to see me and he prints out like a bill and he's like all right if you just scan your tattoo and that's when he realizes that joe you know does not have a tattoo because he's not from the society and that's when he starts panicking um joe's like still confused at what's going on and he notices there's a magazine on the doctor's desk which the magazine is Hot Naked Chicks and World Reports, and it's dated for the 3rd of March, 2505. And he's confused, and like, oh, that's weird. And he looks at his bill, which, again, it's, it has the same date. 
So, you know, it, it finally comes to terms or like hits him that he's been asleep for over 500 years and is like just immediately like runs outside. And that's when he sees that, uh, like the world is collapsed around him, like decaying buildings are literally like bungee cord, uh, to other buildings to keep falling over. Uh, he sees like the mountains of garbage and also like there's a freeway that just drops off in a dead end yet people are still driving on it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it just kind of takes off running. Um, he sees there's like a vending machine. That's like a, a Jack, uh, not a Jack in the box, but a Carl's jr. And a little fun fact here, but the voice actor who's doing the voice for, uh, the Carl's jr. Advertisements is actually Tom Kenny. Who's uh, better known as the voice of SpongeBob, and it's making all these like these funny advertisements, like "Have an extra big ass taco and with more molecules," you know, using uh, words which clearly like they don't understand, but it sounds cool or at least sounds smart. <laughs> um, but as he's like observing the the vending booth, um, he sees that like there's a mom who's there and she's trying to get food but like it's it's acting up on her and you know the the carl's jr is like enjoy your fries but she's like i ain't get no fries she starts hitting it and like the machine sprays out a gas like pacifying her and the whole time the machine is like you know uh carl's jr is like thinks you're an unfit parent for not being able to provide for your kids like we've called cps they're on their way police are on their way to like arrest you for not being able to pay for blah 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 you know, this and that. And she gets like gassed and just kind of staggers off. And that's when Joe kind of runs up to try to get food out of the machine. But that's, you know, ironically, now the police show up because, you know, and I think they, if I remember right, they even quote like, you know, hey, does, does that look like the unfit mother? And they go up to investigate. And that's when they find out he doesn't have a tattoo. And again, uh, well, not again, because he does not have a tattoo, he's arrested and brought to trial. So, uh, again, in the courtroom, Joe's public defender, uh, defense lawyer, that is, uh, attorney at law, spelled A-T-T-O-R-N-E-E, -E, at law, is none other, none other than Frito Bandejo, which, again, Dax Shepard's character. But um, as, uh, as the prosecutors, you know, listing off different things that Joe did, you know, uh, including, like, number one, look at him. B, he talks like a fag, and C, you know, he, he, like, took all this money from the hospital, man. And, you know, there's no proof that he did any of that, but, like, uh, and it goes on, he's like, man, if I was the judge, I'd be like, blah, guilty, peace. And everyone in the, you know, courtroom starts cheering on him like he just cracked the case. Um, Frito, you know, again, Dax Shepard is like, uh, I object, um, He's also like he also broke into my house and interrupted me watching my TV show, you know, like adding to the prosecution's defense there or the prosecution's, you know, fuel to the fire, which, you know, go figure. But like he uh, <laughs> he uh, is imprisoned or Joe is, you know, sentenced to be imprisoned and eventually uh, gets taken to like a tattoo or ID tattoo machine to which he gets renamed as not sure. Uh, which is because he's not sure about his uh, name as it appears on some form. And like the machine picked up on it and, you know, his first name is not sure. 
or first and last name is now not sure as opposed to Joe Bowers in this bizarre future. Uh, so during a mandatory and very simple IQ test, Joe grasps how stupid humanity has actually become and easily escapes like the dim jailers, <laughs> which that scene is, is pretty funny too. He's waiting in line to get into prison and he sees there's like a a large like heavyset inmate that's literally just sitting on another inmate's face and he makes eye contact with Joe and points at him and then points to the guy like you're next when he gets in there. So then Joe kind of turns to his jailer and he's like, Hey, um, I already did my time. Uh, what, what do I do here? And you know, the jailer hits him upside the head and is like, you're in the wrong line, dumbass," And just, you know, turns him around and sends him right back out the door. And, uh, Joe takes off running and immediately, you know, runs back to the only place he knows and goes back to Frito's apartment and like, um, basically asks him like if there's a time machine, uh, and if Frito can help him return to the past to which, uh, Frito claims there is one, but, um, he only agrees to help after Joe promises him billions of dollars from a saving account that Joe will open in the past upon his return. But, you know, Frito is unable to understand the concept of compound interest, but takes Joe's word on it that Frito will earn $30 billion minus $20 billion for expenses, making it $80 billion. Right? That makes sense, doesn't it? No? It doesn't? Okay, good. Because that means, you know, you actually can do simple math, even if it is in the billions. But yeah, 30 minus 20 is not $80 billion. Just, uh, just saying that there in case you're lost. <laughs> so en route to the time machine, Joe and Frito find Rita. And um, she doesn't understand that it's, she's been asleep for 500 years. But when Joe tells her, even then she expects upgrade will find her. <laughs> she says, I'm like, past, present, future, don't matter. Upgrade going to come for his money. Which, it's, you know, funny. But uh, she's been doing a lot better than Joe has. Like, uh, you know, she's uh, already convinced, like, a John who's uh, trying to hire her to pay her without, you know, actually having sex with this guy. She's like, you know, hey, you pay me now and you come back tomorrow. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, baby. By the time we done, by the time I utilize you, you're going to be paying me. And she's like, yes, sir. Just, you know, come back tomorrow. <laughs> and apparently she's done it like twice. So he's like, yeah, it's been like three days and you keep saying we're going to do it. Like, what's up? She's like, yeah, just come back tomorrow. And he's like, okay. And just leaves <laughs> again. Um, but in their travels, Frito leads them to a city-sized Costco. And I mean, it's just like it, it sounds. So just think, you know, the sprawl of downtown San Diego or, well, I mean, if you're not familiar with, <laughs> I mean, if you're listening, you're not from San Diego let alone California, just think like the largest city in your state slash city slash Providence or wherever you're at. But it's actually just the Costco. So there's like giant gray buildings <laughs> with a like huge sign. Uh, <laughs> there's even like a an airplane that crashed into it, but I digress. Um, while they're in there, uh, I think Joe says something. He's like, he sees a Starbucks sign. He's like, man, I can go for some coffee. And that's when Frito's like, we don't have time for sex. And that's when he kind of realizes that like Starbucks has become like not only a coffee place, but like a, a brothel, like a brothel franchise <laughs> or brothel chain rather. 
and uh you know while while they're confused at like what's going on he uh he accidentally gets like his barcode scanned like as he's passing through something uh you know his id tattoo and it gets scanned and like the police are, are called in and he's immediately arrested but instead of prison joe is delivered to the white house where he meets president Dwayne alizondo mountain dew herbert camacho who's a like former porn star former like pro athlete former wrestler championship uh i'm sorry championship wrestler like wwf world you know champion again in the society like some superstar athlete churned you know politician <laughs> unlike you know celebrities who somehow become politicians despite no background in politics <clears throat> uh, which again president camacho here is played by everyone's favorite former defensive lineman um terry cruz who like uh if i remember this, this is around the time of white chicks if not before or after sorry just wanted to verify uh so yeah this came out two years after white chicks so people should be well aware of terry cruz already if not from friday or you know amongst his other works uh, but again, um, Joe's brought to the White House because uh, his IQ test, um, which scoring him as the most intelligent man in the world. Uh, and uh, the president here recruits him as the secretary of the interior to correct the United States food uh, and crop shortages, uh, the Dust Bowl, the crippled economy, mountains of garbage and related manners. And he's brought into like uh the house of representing as opposed to the house of representatives um and that's when terry cruz you know is like oh shit man look at our shit's fucked up except we got a solution here we have our man uh not sure who's gonna you know turn everything around and he's gonna do it all like in one week you know just some completely like impossible task you know but then again these people don't really seem to have a grasp of like some problems take more than just a week to fix and put a he's like and if he doesn't then like i'm gonna bust his ass and you know kill him more or less <laughs> um so then he's brought like to meet the other cabinet members which they're um just lampoons of contemporary politicians so you know they're like overtly again they're they're no smarter than like uh, uh frito in this circumstance um you know they're they're just uh corporate lackeys and you know overamps like uh you know just corporate lackeys and just like the epitome of like a um a parody of what a politician is so eventually joe is like brought out to like investigate the um I guess like the heartlands or something because he goes out to like a field that's just dead uh, with just like weeds and stuff growing but he uh, he eventually learns that water has been completely replaced by brondo the thirst mutilator which it's basically gatorade and it's advertised as rich in electrolytes which um you may or may not know is but electrolytes are more or less just salts so more or less they've been watering their crops with salt water which you don't have to be a, a good farmer to know, but like that's that's not gonna get your plants anything they actually need. Um, but I, I digress. This Brondo drink basically rep like replaced 
water in virtually every purpose, including irrigation and like agriculture and even um, I think there's like even a clip of like a mom giving their baby Brondo instead of milk or like, uh, you know, just various advertisements, uh, advertisements like uh, Brondo. It's what cows crave. And, you know, they keep asking like it's like a circular thing. Like uh, he keeps asking them like, OK, what, what, you know, what is Brondo? And they're like, it's got electrolytes. OK, what are electrolytes? It's it's what you know, it's what's in Brondo. It's just that circular thought process, which doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> but um, he eventually uh, let's see how do I phrase it. Joe eventually like gives up and basically says like, you know what? I can talk to plants. And um, he's like, yeah, basically um, plants, they, they, they want water and everyone just buys it hook, line and sinker. And again, he introduces the practice of watering crops with water, but uh, without his knowledge um, overnight, the Brando company uh, automatically laid off like so many people because they're not using, it's like a, you know, like an automated system that basically says like, if we're not making this money, uh, much money, we don't need this many employees. So they basically lay off like millions of people and uh, makes their stocks go like worthless, causing a great uh, unemployment without uh, visibly improving the crop situation. So basically they just turned back to water on those crops and like, Overnight, like I said, this company goes belly up and millions of people lose their jobs. Everyone's upset. And there's like an angry, uh, an angry riot that starts breaking out at the White House, which, uh, you know, it's like the next morning. It shows uh, like a rock hit a window or like a brick hit a window smashing in. And uh, Maya Rudolph's first response is like, ah, shit, it's upgrade. <laughs> which, you know, that's funny. But, um, you know, he comes to find out, like I said, uh, Brando had to lay off all these people. And now, like, immediately they, they throw Joe under the bus as a scapegoat. And as such, uh, Joe is sentenced to a day of rehabilitation, which he's like, oh, that that can't be bad, right? Just one day that, you know, what what how bad could it be? Only to discover that it's an execution disguised as a public demolition derby. And it's billed as Monday night rehabilitation. Um which yeah it's basically joe having to fight two monster trucks on foot but uh you know I, you can only imagine how bad that can go right um <laughs> yeah so in order to save joe frito um uh, rita i'm sorry uh goes back uh discovers that the soil has started to make crops um sprout in the fields and in order to save joe with frito in tow she bribes a cameraman uh, to show the sprouting crops to save the world. Um, but before reaching the crops, Frito and the cameraman are distracted by a sale at Starbucks. Um, again, like I said, it's a chain brothel franchise. Only after they quarrel and fight does Frito remember his duties and films the, the crops sprout. And President Camacho sees the thriving plants on the stadiums, big screen TV. So while Joe is, you know, being chased around by his his would-be executioner, who is uh, Beef Supreme, which is kind of funny because it's uh, it's actually um, Luke Wilson's brother, uh, Andrew Wilson. Um, that's when uh, 
I'm sorry, President Camacho grants Joe a pardon as he uh, as he's just about to be incinerated by the flamethrower. So at a celebration, Joe decides to stay and repair the American civilization because, you know, he's kind of looking around and he's like, there's, there's I can do so much more here than I would like in the past, to which I guess that's kind of a fallacy. Because, I mean, if you knew this future was coming, I think you go back in time to like stop it from coming. Right. You do whatever the hell you could, you know, to, to turn the tides if you possibly could. But uh, that's when um, the president, uh, President Camacho names uh, Joe as his vice president in America. And again, much to his dismay, you know, after Joe's like, you know, I will stay to help out. And that's when everyone's celebrating. And that's when one of the cabinet members, uh, cabinet members rather, says, yeah, that that ride sucks. Only to discover that the time machine uh, spelled time, well, T-I-M-E-M-A-S-H-E-E-N is actually an amusement park ride with a historical theme wherein Charlie Chaplin was the leader of the Nazi party who used dinosaurs to wage war on the world and the UN, which in this universe is pronounced the un, un Nazi, the world forever. <laughs> um, God, that sucks, right? Just like your whole goal was trying to go back in time to, you know, save the world. And yet like, it's just a, a lame dark ride, <laughs> like halls of presidents or something. Right. Um, but I digress. Uh, Joe serves a short term as vice president and then is elected as Camacho's uh, successor. Joe and Rita marry and have the world's three, uh, have the three world's smartest children. Whereas Frida Pendejo takes on eight wives and fathers 32 of the world's stupidest children, thus echoing the introduction of the film. And after a short uh, play of the credits, a third hibernation chamber is shown opening up. Uh, releasing a snappily dressed upgrade into the world who, you know, he puts his hat on. He's like, oh, I'm going to get this hoe and struts out into the street as, you know, um, like the new world version of the presidential um, March of the President. I'm not sure what the song is. Hail to the Chief, right? Starts playing <laughs> as he, you know, wanders off into the world as in, you know, a sequel to this movie <laughs> is, uh, is set up for upgrade so that's that's it for the summary of this movie or at least the uh, the synopsis here um i i wound up using a lot more of my words than what was written down here but like i said it, it sounded like someone's college paper <laughs> so a lot of uh you know three syllable words that definitely uh was either making a parody of this movie or you know trying to bring light that we need to use these big words again quick or else we're going to wind up in that kind of future. But I digress. Uh, some little trivia I'm going to share with you here. But apparently writer and director Mike Judge came up with the idea for the film when he was visiting Disneyland with his family and he saw two mothers with kids in strollers fighting and cursing at each other at Disneyland. Um, so, you know, that's that's like the happiest place on earth right you know why not throw down and have this fist fight but i mean at least in their defenses like you also got to remember that probably was a lot of stuff adding up and you know i i that's that's why i've always like you know 
stick to that old phrase, you never know what's going on in someone else's life, so try to be nice. But like I said, it was probably the last straw for both these people and anyone who's been a parent, you know, definitely knows the struggle <laughs> of uh, dealing with kids, especially in that kind of park. And, you know, who knows how much heartache and strife led up to that moment. And unfortunately, they both lit the fuse on each other and eventually wound up getting in, you know, a fight at, uh, at Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, right? Whew. Um, what else? Uh, so although the marketing campaign for this film went unnoticed, uh, 20th Century Fox licensed the Brondo drink for sale, where the drink gained its uh, occult following, though it no longer is available for purchase at brondo.com. Uh, I even paused the, well, uh, previous recording, but I paused it and I did some homework trying to find if that website still exists, which regrettably it does not. Which, you know, bummer, man. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. So, uh, additionally, in addition to the uh, Fuddruckers gag, an earlier draft of the script had another scene showing the devolution of sports with a stadium marquee chanting its sign from championship baseball to extreme baseball, which is essentially uh, just a bat fight to eventually fire <laughs> to which i i really wish i knew the uh, logic there but i mean uh just with how people get excited about weird stuff in the future just you know violence and <laughs> i guess i left it out but there's a scene where um frito and joe are trying to escape the police and that's when uh the police show up and just start shooting up um yeah they start shooting up frito's house and even Frito has to stop and watch as like stuff's getting blown up and shot at. And, and, you know, he's like, Oh shit. Oh shit. And he starts getting into it and just excited. But yeah, I guess if, if that's kind of the future then yeah, I'm sure fire makes a hundred percent sense uh, in the future. Right. <laughs> oh boy. Um, let's see. Uh, another little thing here, the premise of this movie uh, someone waking up several hundred years into the future and finding that people have gotten much stupid due to the, due to the expanding population and lack of evolutionary pressure was previously used in The Marching Morons, which was a short story written in 1951 by Cyril Bluth, which uh, goes to show, you know, Nil Novis in Sole, a little bit of Latin for you, right? Nil Nove. Sin sole, which basically means there's nothing new underneath the sun. So if nothing, here's a little bit of Latin to help bring you out of the uh, the gloom and doom that is this movie. <laughs> but uh, what use is a dead language to a bunch of idiots, right? Uh, there's also a little little bit of an Easter egg, but um, when Joe is escaping prison, he runs past a rusted DeLorean, which is an obvious nod to another time-traveling movie. <clears throat> Back to the Future, <clears throat> where, you know, they soup up the time-traveling DeLorean, which I, I'm not a car guy, but I've I've always heard that, like, those cars were just genuinely trash. And it's it's really more so because of Back to the Future that they have that kind of reverence, you know. So it's kind of like a nerd's favorite car, except, like, genuinely they were just terrible cars. <laughs> like, literal death traps. Like, I think they used really cheap materials to build them. And that's why 
you know, we don't really see DeLoreans on the street. Twitch, uh, I, I had to do a little uh, investigating here myself, but apparently the DeLorean was only manufactured for about a year. <laughs> uh, it, it ran from uh, 1981 to 1983, to which uh, production stopped in 1982 because they went uh, defunct. <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, I had to further, you know, browbeat, but apparently um, there has been plans to revive the DeLorean since... Uh, 2016 to which uh they declared the delorean motor company dmc declared that it would build quote-unquote new dmc 12 bulls uh using new and old stock so uh, again nostalgia kick right everything eventually comes back and since the 80s are huge <laughs> with uh i'm sure doing no small part to uh, Stranger Things, just rekindling everyone's love of the 80s. Uh, the Dorlean, I'm sure, would make its day. Or uh, make its time back in the sun for another year before they realize how shitty those cars are. <laughs> but then again, I have no real knowledge of cars, short of like the bare minimum of uh, you put gas in the gas tank, right? And I know how to change tires. And check the battery. Woo! Car talk aside, uh, let's see. The script was uh, titled. The script's title was originally "The United States of America," which U H H dash America was uh, could have been one of the potential titles here. Uh, I, let's see. Uh, uh, reference line in American Pimp. 1999 uh, particular, uh, particularly the spelling and explanation of upgrades name is actually from another uh, featured pimp in that movie named Rosebud also for a double dose of his pimping and his philosophy of a square's love versus a pimp's love <laughs> oh man uh, gotta love it man and uh, also he's I don't believe he's credited in it, but um, Mike Judge did the voice of the announcer at the Demolition Derby and is also the announcer of the Master, uh, Master, uh, wow. Masturbation Network. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, as the announcer of the Demolition Derby has a very thick, like, cross between, like, Macho Man Randy Savage and, uh, I don't know, like, Mexican <laughs> accent. <laughs> Like, uh, he almost sounds something like uh, a Danny Trejo. So, you know, he kind of got a deep voice like that when he does his announcement. Um, uh, uh, you know what? Uh, additional thing. I never knew it, but um, for, I, I'm going to butcher this so bad. But uh, apparently Mike Judge is from Ecuador. In particular, uh, Guaquil. G-U-A-Y-A-Q-U-I-L. Yeah, I, I never knew Mike Judge was uh, Ecuadorian. <laughs> I always thought he was American just because a lot of his humor is very, like I said, Americana, slice of life. I mean, I really just knew him most from like Beavis and Butthead, right? That's just a bunch of like about two teenagers in America <laughs> hanging out at a gas station and going to school and just watching TV and getting in misadventures and whatnot. So yeah, that, was, that was kind of a trip for me. But uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn you guys loose. Um, once more again, this episode is coming out after the birth of my son. So might not be an episode next week. So I do apologize if you are 
fervently listening. So do yourself a favor and just go back and listen to you know, another episode. <laughs> uh, bide your time as we might be going on a little bit of a break here. And you're, you know, probably saying to yourself, oh, no, like, we're going to lose him again. <sighs> um, I'll try my hardest to keep making episodes. But, you know, as as a father of a toddler and a newborn, my hands might be a little full. So I do apologize if we're, you know, we're put off again for another, you know, six months before we can record an episode. But hopefully by then. You know, my beloved Victoria will be able to help out and join in more episodes before eventually taking this back. I know that she has some plans lined up for future episodes, but, you know, we probably got to get back on our feet first. So uh, until then, I wish you all the best. Um, do yourself a favor, read a book, <laughs> uh, put down your phone. Uh, yeah, just put down your phone for a little bit. Look around you. <laughs> don't, don't let this future become a reality. And, uh, stop watching reality TV and go live it. Uh, uh yeah. Let me, uh, get off my soapbox now because, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of some dumb behaviors myself, but I digress. Thank you all for coming by. Uh, and until next time, you take care of yourself, all right? Bye.